0: Hey there, and welcome back to the Webby Podcast. This episode is a special one since tonight, May 13th, is the 23rd annual Webby Awards. We have a great celebration of the internet all set. We'll be celebrating 50 years of internet culture with internet inventor Vince Cerf, recognizing people like Greta Thunberg who are using the internet to advocate for climate change, and celebrating some of our most important cultural icons like the Philadelphia Flyers mascot, Gritty. You can catch it all on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter by following hashtag Webby's, W-E-B-B-Y-S, or our accounts at the Webby Awards. But for today's episode, I sat down with our incredible host, Jenny Slate. From her role as Mona Lisa Saperstein from Parks and Recreation, or her breakout role in Obvious Child, to Missy on Big Mouth, Jenny Slate is not only a great comedic talent and fantastic host, But she can shapeshift so well, especially in her voice acting, which never fails to impress. We start off talking about how Jenny has since the dawn of time always been an actor.
1: I'm from Massachusetts. I'm 37 years old. I can't remember a time that I didn't want to be an actress or actor. I'm whatever you you would say, whatever you would want me to say. I'm both, I'm all. I just yeah, like genuinely have always really loved performing.
0: Hmm. Were your parents like performers or actors or actresses or in the arts or anything like that?
1: My parents are in the arts. My father's a poet. My mother is a, a, a raku potter. Oh,
0: okay. Just
1: a certain type of ceramic pot uh, uh, art art. Oh. Um, and yeah, I just, I don't know. It's a true love. Hmm. I can't really say what the origins are. There's not one person that I saw and thought I want that. Although as a little girl I watched a lot of Movies from the library, Um, and I liked Judy Garland, and um, I liked Madeline Kahn, and I liked SNL. So um, I always wanted to be an actress. I grew up in Massachusetts in a big old house in the middle of the woods. I went to the same school from kindergarten to twelfth grade.
0: Is it like a good school for acting, or I mean, do they have good plays and that kind of stuff?
1: I was a private school, just like pretty like liberal arts. Hmm. My family really, really cared about. I would say two things, kindness and intelligence were kind of like the main thing. And that was really championed by my grandfather, whose name was Lester, who owned a candy factory. Wow. And he was just really, really kind and really smart. And everybody wanted to be like him. And he paid for everyone's education. Um, he worked in the candy factory. He didn't have like a chain of factories. He just had like right. one. and. Yeah. Like and I'm
0: making people happy factory, right?
1: Yeah. And he brand. smelled really good, like did. candy. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I, yeah, I went to college. I went to Columbia because my parents were like, you can't just become an actress. You have to go to college. So I went to college in New York mm. and I, I was kind of competitive uh, academically. So I guess I wanted to like do my best and I thought the campus was really beautiful. So I, I went there after much stress in the college process, even though that was like 1999 and right. Y2K, like now right. I hear it's actually really scary. Um, but Super
0: scary. Yeah, I, I
1: don't <laughs> like to actually to hear about it. <laughs> and a lot of people did bad things recently. Um, but, but anyway, yeah, and then I went to Columbia and then...
0: So then you were in New York.
1: Mm-hmm, I was in New York and I started doing improv oh. in college and I didn't know anything about stand-up comedy, but when I graduated... Stand-up was just more accessible than improv. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not, like, improv clubs, really, that you can jump up at. You could go to the Upright Citizens Brigade or something like that. But that's a, a pretty, like, major system. And I was impatient, and um, and I so I started to do stand-up, huh. which really was just – I didn't know anything about it or have any references, so I just got on stage with my best friend Gabe Liedman and we just started talking about each other. Is that hard? I don't think it was very hard. Um, I mean, it was challenging and we were broke, but it was really, you know, it was just incredibly inv- invigorating mm-hmm. and um, exhilarating. And to have like eight people who you don't know sit there and listen to you, even for free, to talk about what you think is funny about each other and that they laugh. I don't know. That just the the start of my career as a comedy person had really natural beginnings and and that's really helped me, Yeah, always.
0: Is that, I mean, so for our listeners who have seen Obvious Child, mm-hmm. is that? Is there some of what's going on in that film that parallels sort of that, that early stand-up comedy life for you, or is it just coincidentally that you were also a comic?
1: Yeah, well, Gillian Robespierre, who wrote that movie and directed it, came to one of my shows, and we didn't know each other. And oh, wow. it was like, you know, there were maybe 40 people in the audience. And afterwards, she came up to me and said, I really relate to what you do. I wrote this short film about a woman who has an abortion and the only time she can have it is on Valentine's day. And it, the person was not a comedian yet. And uh, we made the short and I think the character was like a, um, a a freelance, I mean, it was like real, she was a freelancer, She had, we didn't know what the right, job was. Right. And then as we got to know each other, she was just kind of like, I actually think because everyone's so serious about abortion and and it is a serious thing, and comedy is, can be so risky, and we want to treat this gently, this is actually like a pretty important combination to do where you're not being like snarky or um, or like rough with the subject, you're actually just mm. doing like a respectful pairing. So anyway, but I'm I'm not much like that character because I'm just not super, <laughs> I'm just like not very rowdy or rough. Right. Um, and I'm not very rough around the edges and I, I never have been. I'm I've, I've, certainly filterless occasionally or often, but, um, but I'm not, yeah, I'm just like not super messed up, <laughs> although I'm messy.
0: Goes without saying, but I'll say we're super excited to have you hosting the Webby Awards, which is tomorrow night for us here. We're, yes. we we're taping here on Sunday and the Webby's going to be tomorrow night. Um, I remember when that film came out, it, it was kind of funny because we were like already big Jenny Slate fans before because of, you know, we're internet dorks and uh, Marcel Shell uh, obviously, sure. right? um but I, I don't know if like we were just older or weren't around but we just didn't realize i think that you had done so much stand-up comedy that you were like a stand-up comic yeah before that film not yeah. that that made you one and but it, for for whatever reason our impression was always like jenny slate parks and rec jenny slate marcel Deschel, shell just not this like stand-up thing yeah um and i remember when that came out we were all like super excited to see it and loved you in it. And it was definitely part of us starting to think like maybe Jenny Slate could host the Webby's one day. Oh,
1: that's nice. Yeah. You know, it's always funny when people say that to me because I mean, uh, you can't be a performer without wondering how people are receiving your work. But, um, I do think it's, it's dangerous and also just incredibly confusing to try to figure out how people perceive you. Mm. Um, like what's your primary identity for them. And yeah. for me, yeah, I always thought of myself as an actress even before I ever performed because that you know, that's just how I felt about myself and then always stand up first. So it's strange to me oftentimes when people identify me with just like my most prominent work. Right. Because a lot of times those are things that I did quickly and um and not consistently, yeah. but they had the most cultural impact and and so yeah, I think I don't really use my social media that much anymore, but why it was useful to me was because I could express a consistent and real identity that if you were curious about me, you could you could look into and actually yeah. see like who who I really am. But I, I think Obvious Child was exciting for me because I could show people what more I could do that, I, that hadn't been available
0: to hmm. me yet. And um, tell me, so have you hosted things before?
1: You know, I've always avoided it.
0: Interesting. Wow. We're touched.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, first of all, I just think it's like really, I I host comedy shows a lot. Sure. And sometimes I'll host a thing that's like a musician has a show and I introduce the other acts or do in between performances. But um, there's something about hosting an awards show that I just feel like is a lot of pressure. Yeah. And I've always been a firm believer in like, you just don't have to take every challenge that. has been put in in front of you and I have been offered to host some really cool awards show and I've just said no because it made me too nervous yeah and sometimes it's okay to just say "I, I really don't want to do that but this was um a really nice balance for me because I feel like the people who are winning these awards have made their work hoping that people will see it yeah but you know, they really have to make it first and foremost for whatever their mission is, or for themselves. And um, it just feels like a, even though it's on the internet and actually like a, a smaller community that that feels, um, it just feels like rather dear, I guess.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think hopefully what you'll find is um, what we found is people are very very excited. And you know, people all, often ask us, you know, why do you announce the winners ahead of time? And if you come to the Webby Words, you'll know the answer to the question, which is. All the other, all these other award shows you go to, which I'm sure are wonderful and lovely, but it is true that like 80% of the people who are at them are like bummed out at the end because like they didn't <laughs> right. win. It's, it's kind of like a thing, yeah. But at our show, because everybody knows they're coming to like celebrate essentially, yeah. Um, it's just like uh, it's just a very positive, like fun. I don't want to say like it's a party, like people are like raging or something, but it's just a celebration and people are excited to be there. And people are super proud of their work, and the work is like really diverse too, right? It's like, yeah people who made like a sports podcast, it's amazing. And then somebody who, you know, helped refugees in Syria um, with like a really important project. I mean, it's really, really diverse, just like the internet. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. Have you um, like studied up on, like what do you think about the whole five word speech thing? Are you are you ready for that?
1: I think it's a good idea. Yeah. You know, nobody wants to be anywhere for that long. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth of it. Yeah. That's the truth of it. But I also think, you know, it's it's really easy to be sort of like wandering and also very verbose mm. about something that's important to you because you don't really want to like miss out on anything. But also sometimes it can be really hard to define why you did what you did or how you want people to see it. And so I think everyone's at an advantage because they are challenged to be concise, yeah. but they've had plenty of time to reflect. And then they have the confidence because they know that they're, they've won something and yeah. that they can be proud. So yeah. I actually think it's a wonderful combination.
0: We're excited to see your reactions to the five-word speeches, Mm -hmm. which has always been a big, big fun part of the show. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about some of the stuff you're working on. So one thing I kind of noticed, I heard you say one time that you, like, think that you're not very good at computers. I'm not. But I do want to note that, like, you do have a lot. Like, first of all, you'll see tomorrow night, like, the internet is, like, the Jenny Slate fan. I mean, like, (laughs) you're you're very popular on the internet. Like, the internet people love Jenny Slate, one thing. The other thing is that you do do a lot of internet-related projects, actually. Right? I guess I do. Yeah. yeah.
1: But, well, we're talking about, like, things that are connected but are separate. Hmm. Like, computers, the computer itself, right. I don't think so. Right, I don't right, know right, what's right. going on there. And, like, yeah. yeah, I don't even know. I don't even know how to use most of my computer. Right. It keeps asking me to update it, and I don't do it. And I don't understand why because it already works well. And I don't, (laughs) I don't care. Um, But I do, yeah, I have social media. Right. But that's like just something I'm doing on my own, Mm. kind of. Yeah. And then, yeah, Marcel the Shell is obviously, he was born on the internet. And I recently started doing, like, I just did my first fiction podcast, which is really cool. I know.
0: I have the, I didn't even, I just found out about this. Yeah. It's been out for like a week or two. It's called. It's called Earthbreak.
1: Wow. Which is like a that's cool. Yeah. It's 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 truly about like a woman the last woman on earth after an alien apocalypse and she finds out she's pregnant, which is weird that this two pregnancy related um project. Oh
0: yeah.
1: (laughs) I guess people are really concerned with what happens to women in many different situations, which they should be. That's good. Um yeah, I'm happy to represent that. But yeah, computers make me really nervous.
0: What about the phone?
1: I love the phone. Okay.
0: All right. I call everybody.
1: yeah, sure, but it's not. And, you know, the whole thing about, like, it's, I've always, first the computer was, like, new in our house when I was growing up. Uh-huh. It was, like, the late 80s. It was just, like, don't touch that. If you right. break it, we'll never get another one. <laughs> and then it was kind of like, it's the Internet. You can reach everybody. And I was like, that's too scary. I don't understand why you would want that. And, um, and then I got used to it. And now I don't like it. I mean, I, there are lots of things to like about it, but there are certain behaviors on the internet that, that bum me out.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All of us, I think.
1: Yeah, I think so. But what's so weird is everyone's like, oh yeah, that's such a bummer, but we don't really, there's not like necessarily from what I can tell a collective movement to change. Hmm. And I actually don't know what to do except for to keep showing up and being like, you know, we don't need to. Be like mean and snarky just because it's available to us yeah 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 i i think we're in the wild wild west of internet even though we feel like we're the masters
0: yeah no i mean it's something we've talked a lot we talk a lot about here at the webbies i think i think one of the for us i would say maybe one of the good it's really hard to say one of the good things around the current presidential leadership those words together but maybe one of the good things is it has made a lot of people at least i could say talk, talk about myself it's made me sort of more conscious about what stuff i'm letting into my life through the internet mm-hmm. you know and just also more conscious around some of the toxicity of conversations that are sort of not necessarily even politically related just exist out there on you know just yeah like kind of forcing everybody to take a little stock of okay you well know, there's only
1: well, one world right you know and and the weirdest thing is that it actually just follows sort of rules of civility in general, as they probably have been forever, which is, you know, you've got the like, if you don't, if you wouldn't say it to someone's face, because you think it would hurt their feelings, like maybe don't say it at all. And there is that, but that's kind of hard. And then when you have intimate relationships, you you confide in people and you're like, I don't really like what that person did. But one thing that I like about the fact that it's strange but one thing that I can take from some of the more um aggressive or thoughtless behavior on the internet yeah. is that the swing back for me is that it has made me thoughtful in in all areas of my life including my personal conversations you know like I posted a picture of my mom today because it's it's mother's day right. and someone wrote your mom is sc- <laughs> your mom is scary But it's like, okay, first of all, my mom's not scary. Her name's Nancy, and she looks nice, and she's, like, wearing a sweater and has a necklace with a bird on it. It's fine. It's not scary. You know, but, like, I have to imagine that person's, like, emotional reaction that they have after they write that, that they're excited. Am I going to see it? Am I going to be mad? Whatever fires when you kind of whatever troll someone, as they would say. And I just, I feel like sort of a tenderness towards it. Interesting. Like in a way, the internet has revealed the baby in all of us. Like the person that just- Like you feel
0: bad a little bit that yeah, they feel like that that's what they need to do. and Sort of. compassion kind of for-
1: Not pity, but like curiosity or, and just like, uh, oof, that's yeah. crazy. Like that's a crazy state to be in. That's yeah. a crazy thing to do without and and think that it's normal. And it just makes me in life want to be hyper-friendly and to create a space, even if it's just one-on-one where- the other person can just feel good yeah and that's how i also feel about hosting this show is like i mean i'm not a teaser in any way and i don't like mean humor but without being saccharine i think there's a way truly at this award show to be like this is genuinely good these people have worked hard and it's not we don't need to try to be cool by like in one way or another kind of like
0: shitting on each other yeah
1: Yeah. i just don't think i don't know it's just not me it's not i don't get it and it makes me nervous
0: yeah well um (laughs) i think you're probably in good shape because we veered very far away from shitting on people yeah that's
1: what i that's what i hear
0: yeah supposedly but we'll see you can tell what you think um i could just
1: show up and be like the worst you know but i won't no it won't happen yeah i don't Um, even like that joke
0: They always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, so we talked, and I'll you know, when we on this, but like we've talked a lot about this, which is, you know, something we're focusing on this year is something we're saying like internet we want, right? Which mm-hmm. is just that, you know, it's hard. You could forget actually that there are a lot of really great things that people are doing and they're using the internet to do it, which is great. But it's also just a reflection like there is a lot of good out there. Yeah. And we're just so constantly bombarded by, you know, whether it's just like really rude or ill manners or, you know, sort of terrible examples in leadership mm-hmm. um, or really, really awful stuff you'd be hard-pressed to remember that like there is like a lot of really great stuff out there
1: happening yeah. today and stuff that ter- can really turn on your brain you know like there's a lot of scrolling on a phone like mindless interaction yeah. with devices and with the internet and um, I try to use it on purpose or not at all mm. and uh, I don't know when I think of the internet I want I also think about how I want to be on it and to like have some purpose there.
0: Yeah. yeah. So tell me about um. I'll t- ask you about a couple of your projects. One of our favorite shows, uh, Big Mouth. Yeah. Is on Netflix. Mm-hmm. You're a star of the one of the stars of the show. Yeah. Um. We we uh we love Missy Foreman. <laughs> like I'm not gonna do it, but I'll tell you that at least 85% of the office like does the tries to do the Missy Foreman voice all the time.
1: It's, it's super breathy. It's like. <laughs> It's basically like this. Yeah, it's like that. It's so good. Yeah.
0: Um, Was that fun to work on that project? And it's been three, I think it's three seasons now, so.
1: Yeah, I I lose track. Yeah, it's really, really fun. Those guys are all really old friends of mine. Mm. And um, I think when Nick Kroll's last show on Comedy Central, Kroll Show, ended, it was kind of like, oh, man, you know, like, this was so much fun. And so it's wonderful to reconvene. And... (laughs) I've got to say there's a lot of stuff on Big Mouth that really reminds me of my like pretty difficult teenage years. And I know that I function as a person who is still getting over the wounds of that time or what I feel like are the injustices. And I think that's really valid. And then also like after a while, you really do have to let it go because it it just, you can just become entrenched. And the show has really helped me to uh, (laughs) kind of be, take like a lighter tone about it all. Yeah.
0: You're holding on to that still. Yeah, yeah. I was wow. holding on.
1: Oh, yeah, for wow. sure. I don't know. Sure.
0: Like, okay.
1: Yeah. Might as well admit it. Right. I was just like so bummed out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um is it geared towards adolescence to watch or no? What do you think about that?
1: I don't know. I never know how to answer that because
0: yeah. genuine question. I'm not like a, I don't like, think
1: so. Yeah. I, I think I think it was for adults and then if kids want to watch, they can. But I I would argue that it's it's more meaningful for adults because they've come through that time. Yeah. And there's so much that I- I- in the show is written with such strong comedy but that it feels so intimate. Like wow, you really got into someone's head here. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's
0: it's deep in a good way.
1: Yeah, so, like, it's wild, but it's like it's so wild and it's so out there and and, and funny and um extreme, but it also is strangely grounded in very real occurrences that happen in, in middle school
0: yeah one of my favorite parts of the show is the invention of the like hormone monsters i yeah. love how that's like a an outside the concept of it being like a character who comes in and like takes over you for
1: yeah parts, as
0: opposed you know it's just such an interesting well, I think way that's, of thinking about it and looking at it yeah i you know, love time.
1: that well the like whole thing about you know when you're when you're like sexuality first pops it's not really integrated into your personality it's it's like super it can for many people be like just a super strong wave of something that that doesn't match with how you've been functioning basically as a child. Yeah. You know, that's like one of the weirdest things about puberty and then hopefully in your adulthood you you learn how to own that energy and and keep it safe and and whatever, but I think the hormone monster is like a great representation of that and then in this new season that we're doing now there's also the shame wizard.
0: Oh yes. Yeah. He's like creep he's like creeps me out. Yeah, on it's screen. really scary. It makes yeah, me it's feel weird. yeah. Yeah. I kind of like don't like when those scenes are on it just makes me a little like oh.
1: well, if yeah, I mean, I I'm a I have been until recently a person that like I'm it's very easy to make me feel shame and that I can't like rock myself out of that. Now I've gotten better at it, but the shame wizard really
0: gets yeah. home for me. How did you get you do so you do a lot of voices? Yeah, I do. Yeah, how did you is that like did you try and do that or is it just that you did some and then people liked it or I just I mean, is, do it, that. is it? Is you just do it? Have you yeah. always done vo- like before? Even you were, like before you were, you know, voicing in all these big things. Yeah. Did you do voices as like a kid and like growing up and stuff?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I don't know why I always did. I always mm. liked people that did that, and I just I entertained myself by doing that. And it's it's interesting. I mean, I don't think I can do very like good dead on impressions. You can only do like wacky voices. Mm. But um, they make me really happy. So I guess it started there. And then I think I used to do a lot more. Now I mostly just speak in my own voice.
0: Hmm. But it used mostly to be like socially. Voice. Yeah.
1: I like, I remember saying like out, to. out,
0: you would be somebody who was out and do little voice. Just, just like. Um,
1: almost never talking in my voice. Like. Wow. I really remember being in college and also being like an extreme stoner, you know. But I went to Philly one Passover with my best friend Gabe Leadman, who then became my comedy partner in later years we, like, got super stoned. we were walking around the city and one of us mentioned to the other, you know, we haven't spoken in our own voices (laughs) in, like, 45 minutes. (laughs) And it used to be like that all the time. Yeah. You know, even to ask, like, a stupid question, like, where we're going for dinner or just, like, be in another voice. Right. Yeah. And now I, like, can't even do that for you because I'm too embarrassed.
0: That's okay.
1: I've become more
0: you're like more of an adult smoother
1: now. or like more reserved and also i don't smoke weed anymore
0: so <laughs> it's all, yeah it's over
1: <laughs> i just only have my voice and my now sobriety. That <laughs> now that
0: there's like 400 internet companies trying to sell you weed all the I time i
1: know and i can't smoke it at all yeah
0: um i want to ask you we didn't i didn't get into the podcast i just wanted to follow up with that earthbreak podcast yeah so most people probably are listening to podcasts that are like this they're like or they're maybe they're like really well produced shows like yeah. interview show, like shows like This American Life or something where there's like these great arcs, but fiction podcasts Mm -hmm. are, there's been some, but they're just not as common yet. What's, what's it like making one of those? Is it like, are you, are you like on set or is it all in a studio or like, how does that just, how does that work?
1: Well, we did have two studio days, but most of it was actually on location and Uh we did all of the things Uh that my character would do. So if I was running, I would be running or if I, you know, like punching So you're an out alien. there, you
0: have like a mic on, you're running, so it's getting your breath and
1: Yeah. Whatever. Well the character the the most of the story is told through the um a voice recorder that the character is making a like a recorded journal on. Mm-hmm. So that's how you find out what everything is. So I was actually holding the physical recorder while also well there and there was also a boom mic. Huh. And I might have had a laugh, but I can't remember. Um but I really was doing everything physically. Right. So it was a full performance, huh. and Interesting. yeah, and I was kind of like wearing what I would have been wearing, and we took it really, really seriously. So I don't know how well they do the other ones, but huh. and in the two studio days.
0: And why did you decide to do that specific project? That somebody you'd worked with before, or
1: I wanted to work with Aaron Katz, okay. the director. I, okay. I I just really admire him, and his film uh, Land Ho is just a like real beautiful movie. And I've kind of been, like, watching him for years and just being like, when can I work with Aaron? And then he texted me and said, I have this fiction podcast. And also, you know, I'd like to do more uh, physical things, more action-based work. But, you know, it's hard. You you do comedy and then people kind of think of you for that. Or, like, I happen to be kind of like a gentle soul. Mm. You know, I don't really think that people are thinking of me when they think about someone like punching an alien in the face. And doing that, you know, full on, not like in a comedy. Um, (laughs) And so I just felt like you do a performance because you're curious about how it will feel to do it and if you can. And so, yeah, I'll take this chance. And the more I get into my work, the more I realize I have to do it for my experience of what it will be. Because the way that everything is changing so much now and there's so much material, so much content, um, I think it's actually really good for actors. There's, I think there are, like, way more jobs, right. truly, just yeah. way more jobs. And they're all, there's, like, a lot of good content. But um, it's also really, like, almost everything feels like it's part of an algorithm or it's, it can be rather niche. So it does at once. It's like you're offered more jobs or one could be offered more jobs. but if you are worried about whether or not a lot of people will see them and see your work, you might be kind of screwed.
0: Right? <laughs> it's. I mean, it's an interesting thing because on the one hand, it does create a lot more opportunity for things like you say that are niche or like that are targeted at different audiences or just like kind of deep. Yeah. But yeah, if you, I mean, but it, it can find those audiences in many cases, but sometimes those audiences just aren't necessarily like huge.
1: Yeah. Um, and then, like, what does it matter? Right. I mean, I know it does matter to sure. some people, and I get it. But um, and I'm sure if I were also like kind of just starting my career, I'd be like, it matters. But at this point, like, you know, I just have a different set of priorities.
0: But I'm. It's like I'm always telling. Um, people are always saying, like, why do you think Netflix is like part of the internet? And they like, they say it's just like it's just like television. And I think of like something like Big Mouth. Yeah. Big Mouth would never have been on television, I don't think. Not because right. it's not amazing, but just because it's like, it's a little raw probably than like, maybe it could get on some, I guess on cable, it'd probably be okay. Maybe
1: it could have been on HBO. Right, right. But they have a brand. Yeah. You know, it's not, an, it doesn't feel like an HBO show. Right. Yeah.
0: So it's like, it. it's like this new thing that was able to kind of be created and have its own, and it didn't have to fit into like, oh, well, it's not very sci-fi or oh, well, it's not.
1: Yeah. Prime time,
0: it could be its own thing, and like the people, I mean, that's like a. Well, while
1: Netflix has a preference algorithm, right? Engaging with it is all about choice, yeah, and and about your choice at your own like risk or whatever. Like, it's not like Big Mouth has some sort of like a like explicit content sticker on the, in the bottom right corner of the little thumbnail for it. Right. Um, you just
0: wouldn't, if you were not, if you were just averse, averse to that, you would probably not have found it or yeah. not be interested in it.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's, it's just a different, it's like a different thing that in, in, on one hand kind of trusts the audience member more or, and also has like less responsibility. Like if, you know, I don't know, like PBS put something on and everyone's like, this really offended us. They're in trouble because. Right they are responsible for a certain type of offering. But Netflix is, it's a, it's like a big library in outer space.
0: Yeah. That's a good way to describe it. I think <laughs> yeah. they'd, they'd probably like that. Big library has that. All right. Last question. Is Marcel coming back ever? Yes. Oh.
1: We're, we're, we are working on a feature film. It just, wow. it takes a long time to do stop motion animation. And a, a feature
0: film from mm-hmm. Marcel. Wow.
1: And we're, we're a hundred percent funded by a, a nonprofit art organization. So it means that We have total creative control, which is wonderful, and the people we're working with are so, so great. It also means we don't have to make, like, merchandising deals that upset us Mm -hmm. or um, we feel are unjust or gross um, and that we can just focus on our work. But it does take a bit longer because of that.
0: When do we think it's – do we have any – is there a projected general – I don't know. Date. I feel like I'm looking at you saying date would be really too specific. Yeah, no,
1: there, is, there isn't. I mean, I don't know. I think like in the next couple of years. It'll okay,
0: be that's pretty good. Yeah. All right. Jenny Slate, we're super excited to have you hosting tomorrow night. Thank you so much for, for stopping by. And, and thanks you most of all, though, for
1: hosting. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited. Let's get it going.
0: Awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much to Jenny for stopping by and also for hosting tonight's show, which is sure to be an incredible night of celebrating the best of the internet. Be sure to keep up with all the action by following hashtag Webby's W-E-B-B-Y-S tonight to see some fantastic five-word speeches from some of our biggest winners, amazing presenters, and hopefully a few surprises. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you took a second or two to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more about the Webby Awards, visit us at www.webbyawards.com, W-E-B-B-Y, awards.com or on social platforms at the webby awards as always you can reach me on social at dmd likes our producer is terrence brosnan our writer is jordana jarrett our editorial director is nicole ferraro music is poddington bear claire graves is a friend that waves over the guy with the pigs in a blanket i'm david michelle davies and this is the webby podcast